the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast, the only podcast about the UK's most prolific metal band. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Hello there, guys, and welcome back to yet another edition of the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast, the UK's only podcast about the UK's most prolific metal band, with me, the leader of Infernal Symphony, and, of course, your host, as always, Demonic Bishop. I am back here again. It is um, basically an incredible day today. We are here, I think, with its... uh, I think it's episode five of season three. I'd have to double-check that. I'm pretty sure it is, though, but let me tell you, we've got an absolutely fantastic three-quarters of an hour in store for you today, guys, as always. So there's all sorts of amazing things we're going to be talking about this month. Thank you ever so much to those of you who have uh, um, been listening to the podcast for a while, but also those of you who have just joined listening to us recently, because I've been looking at the analytics just uh, early this morning, and it seems as though we have a hell of a lot of new listeners um, coming in month upon month, which is absolutely brilliant. So for those of you who are new to this still, and you're not entirely sure what to expect, well, I'll be going over a quick, brief little rundown over some of the topics we'll be talking about on this episode. Um, but also just in general you know we've been doing them really really well just lately Um, those of you who have been paying attention um, to the Infernal Symphony Facebook page will see that we've obviously been posting these episodes um, as we go when they come out on there as well as numerous other places but um, in fact we've also been doing a lot more blog posts as well and there's a very very interesting reason for this which I'll be going into in a little bit of a while Um, other than this we're also going to be uh, going over a few little closing thoughts over some of the uh, topics we covered last month including the queen's funeral and passing and uh you know various other little bits and pieces about things such as the rage breed uh, promotions group and uh we're also going to be going into um some really really nice in-depth um backstory and creative inspiration regarding and revolving the new album which came out last month on my birthday which of course was reverie of damnation so there's some of the most major things we're going to be doing we're also going to be catching up with the metal archives deep dive which is again a, a new uh, a new recurring segment which I've actually only done one of so far because uh, of course last month's edition was pretty much primarily focused with the uh, sudden and unexpected passing of Her Majesty the Queen so uh, that's just a few little bits and pieces that I've got in store for you I'm sure I'll come up with more as we go uh, so it's a little bit of a quicker intro this month so why don't we hunker down you know grab your popcorn and your snacks get those really high quality headphones that you've been saving for this special occasion plug them into your phone or wherever you're listening and i will be back with you in just a few short minutes with hopefully a bit more of a plan so as luck would have it it actually seems as though that was uh Quite a fortuitous place to have a quick break there as uh, I uh, stopped just in time to be able to serve somebody at work, uh, thus not interrupting the natural flow of this podcast. So so anyway, um, I seem to have forgotten a few major things which we're also going to hopefully have time to cover in this edition of the podcast as well. Now, to be honest, with this being the very last podcast of the year, um, it's got a quite high likelihood of it you know, overrunning, basically, because, of course, there's a hell of a lot of stuff to cram in. And normally with this, um, most recently, 
recent season of the podcast, I've tried my best to kind of reduce the length of the, uh, the, the, the episodes themselves just to kind of make it a little bit easier on the ear. However, I think, you know, given the circumstances, which I haven't actually outlined that yet, that, of course, you know, the obvious um, of which being that, of course, it is the end of the year. It's uh, coming up to Christmas and the close of 2022. And, of course, we're coming into New Year um, shortly, uh, you know, 2023. Obviously, a massive cause for celebration. It's always a huge landmark and milestone. It's always a very, very good point to, you know, take stock of things and get some perspective on how things have been going and, you know, how the the, the, the last year has gone, essentially. And it's been a very, very interesting and great year for Inferno Symphony in many, many different ways. So we're going to be going into that as well. Hopefully, we're going to have enough time to go into some of the, um, you know, the usual traditional stuff that we talk about at this time of year, um, especially in past episodes, of course, where we talk about the origin of uh, Christmas itself and some of its pagan origins and some of the satanic uh, perspective on things. Um, But we're also going to be covering some nice new topics as well. So I'm obviously going to be going into some of the milestones that Imperial Symphony has managed to achieve this year. We're also going to hopefully be talking about things such as the new Ozzy Osbourne album and new Stratovarius album, which both came out in um, November, uh, sorry, in September as well. Um, we're going to be talking about the fact that uh, we've got some really, really interesting new perspectives, or at least I have, on um, various different religions. Um, and also talking about how I personally got through um you know becoming a child and basically how i got into metal and how i you know discovered different genres of music and metal in general and my musical journey as it were and basically talking about how you can find yourself exposed to different new types of music and how to appreciate them and potentially you know get a different perspective on some of them as well so that's just a few of the things we're going to be covering um this month hopefully it's been a really really interesting month but it's also been a very very cool year as well you know uh you know if we're t- talking about taking stock of things, you know, it's it's just it's nice that we finally um, have a bit of space between the pandemic and now. Of course, that was a major thing which influenced last season of the podcast and it influenced a lot of my creative endeavours as well, as I'm sure it did for many of you listening here with creatives or just people in general. You know, it was a huge thing. It was a massive obstacle that, you know, gripped the nation and the world at large um, in certain respect, you know, very much like the recent uh, death of Queen Elizabeth II as well. I think I actually read the other day. I mean, it's a couple of months ago now. But of course, um, it seems as though there are over 5.1 billion people who tuned in to watch the televised uh, state funeral of Her Majesty which, uh, you know, make no bones about it. It doesn't matter whether you're a royalist or whether you're uh, anti-royalist or whether you're someone who respects the BBC or whether you're someone who thinks the BBC has seen better days and is a drain on taxpayers' money, such as I do. The fact of the matter is, you know, those sorts of figures do not lie. And, uh, you know, as much as I don't really get on with the royalty for a hell of a lot of different reasons, you know, the facts speak for themselves. You know, the numbers don't lie. It's definitely one of the biggest, uh, you know, mass watched things that uh, the world has seen in a hell of a long time potentially never again i mean this is a lady who basically ruled uh, one of the most important countries in the world for over 70 years um so of course this sort of thing doesn't happen every day so i'm not really going to talk much more about that i think i covered that pretty well last uh last episode so for those of you who didn't catch that or check that out but you're interested to 
definitely go ahead and check out the previous episode as well as the rest of them as well. They're all listed there in, of course, on Spotify and Anchor and various different places online such as Opencast and Overcast and numerous other really, really good podcast providers. Um, speaking of actually, uh, speaking about the podcast and, uh, you know, going forward, I think it's also important to point out that we have finally at last launched a dedicated Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast website, which is separate to our own individual website and of course the other providers. So if you head to Infernal Symphonies Pestilence Podcast dot WordPress dot com, you can find the brand new launched uh, website specifically for this podcast. And there's a very good reason I'm mentioning this as well. And uh, of course, it'll be a very, very easy way for you to catch up on the latest episodes such as this this um you know if you'd like somewhere separate to spotify which i'm sure majority of you are listening to this on but if you'd like somewhere separate then i definitely recommend you head there because it's a brand new great website i've uploaded loads of photos and stuff on there but the really really cool thing which separates this from you know many of our other online avenues and portals and of course there are a lot of them you know if you uh, if you head to a link tree um forward slash infernal symphony so in other words l-i-n-k-t-r-e-e uh sorry dot double e forward slash infernal symphony you'll find the list of all of our other social media avenues and places online including things such as facebook twitter youtube instagram tiktok wordpress and so on and so forth twitch but uh we also have a new addition there which of course is the website i mentioned and the brilliant thing with this is it is also going to be the not just the infernal symphony official blog but it is also going to be a brand new blog for me personally as well now, um, you know, I've, I've really, really been interested in trying to expand my horizons and broaden my reach as much as possible over these last couple of years, which is exactly why I've, you know, tried so many different uh, avenues and tried so many different approaches and, uh, you know, really tried to make the most of our online presence. Because, of course, being a one man band, you know, it's a one man show. I've literally got to do everything and pull all the strings and get all the promotion and attention centered towards the band as best as I can, given my obviously limited time and finances and resources available. So, of course, one of the best and easiest ways for me to do this is to have as much exposure online as possible, which is a brilliant tip for any other musicians or aspiring artists of any kind out there. You know, if your resources are limited, as I'm sure they are for the majority of people, you know, you've really got to do your best to make the most of what you have. Um, and that is the long and short of it, essentially. So that's the major way and the major reason I've been doing this. And, uh, you know, featuring this heavily on the podcast today is because it's a really, really good website. And I'm really, really excited to finally get a chance to speak my mind and talk about things which I haven't yet had a chance to do either on, you know, other places that you could potentially argue I could do elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, of course, there's, you know, I always do regular, you know, personal um, posts on Facebook, for instance, um, regarding certain things such as, you know, updates and announcements on new albums and my creative process and some of the struggles I have. Of course, you know, there's various different ways you can consume that from us, uh, such as on this podcast, for example. That's the major reason that this podcast exists, you know, is to allow me a little bit more time and a bit of a more flexible way to um, address various different topics and concerns I have and bring up different interesting stories. Um, but it's also to talk about my personal life as well. And this blog is going to be a fantastic way of doing this because not only do I get to write about whatever it is that I want, 
you know, it doesn't even have to necessarily be, uh, you know, directly related to the band. It could be anything to do with, you know, various different short stories I'm working on, for instance, or other creative uh, endeavours such as photographs or paintings. You know, there's all kinds of things. The the, the level of freedom it's going to give me is going to be fantastic. Um, so I'm hoping that you guys all uh, check it out. There's a couple of posts on there so far, as well as, as I said, every edition of this podcast to date as well. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to that, guys. It's going to be very, very interesting and exciting, particularly if you're a big fan of me or my music as well. Um, you're going to find stuff on there that you can't find anywhere else, just like with this podcast. And of course, this, uh, as you know, uh, you know, uh, regular listeners will uh, obviously already know this at this point, but this podcast is really the only place to find the most recent new singles that I create before anywhere else, even Bandcamp gets them. Um, so, you know, this is pretty much for the hardcore dedicated fans only. Although having said that, if you guys are listening and you don't know anything about uh, Infernal Symphony or who I am, then that is perfectly great. And I am very much appreciative of you guys listening as well. But if you are interested and you want a little bit more of the nitty gritty and even some of the, you know, superfluous stuff, you could argue, then definitely head to the new website, guys. Hi there guys, so once again I'm reintroducing a concept which has appeared over the past couple of episodes and that is of course me adding things in after the fact, after the rest of the episode has already been recorded and uh, don't worry I'm not going to take up a huge chunk of time because of course this is a Christmas episode this uh, this month of course it's uh, it, it's already been a fantastic episode let's be honest but I've got a few interesting things I'd like to touch upon and a few interesting bits of news and updates with regard to some of Infernal Symphony's music, which is a bit of a late addition. It's a bit of a last minute kind of uh, thing, really, a bit of the spur of the moment, as we often do with this band. But essentially, the long and short of it is, uh, you may not have actually noticed it already, but we have actually uh, put out a brand new uh, and previously un, uh, well, sort of unannounced EP, which of course is called bubonic destiny written in legend and this is very special uh, to me and should be to you for a number of reasons uh, not least of which as i mentioned it's something i haven't actually really gone into much detail before or indeed led up to very much either it was pretty much a surprise release uh, more or less um, so to cut a long story short i've been dabbling with a little known genre of music which is closely related to black metal and dark ambient um, over the past 12 months which is called dungeon synth now I, i've basically tried to do dungeon synth in the past but uh, again to cut a long story short it wasn't really proper true dungeon synth because that normally involves uh, synthesizers but it's also got much more of a uh, fantasy or medieval style to it it uses a lot of modal um you know chord progressions and so on it's very much what you would typically tend to think of when you think of fantasy movies or video game soundtracks or you know medieval uh, songs and uh, that's pretty much you know very much easily uh, describes the sort of sound it's going for so it's entirely unlike anything else I've ever made or put out in the past with Infernal Symphony um, it is basically a three track EP um, the first track is called Bubonic Destiny Written in Legend which of course is the title track that is actually uh, the last song um, I wrote for this EP 
but it is also confusingly the first song I wrote for the upcoming full-length Dungeon Synth album I'll be talking about in the next couple of months as well. So there's a bit more information on that I can't really go into now. I can't really divulge too much information about the full-length version of this. Um, But suffice to say, there'll be a bit more details about that after Christmas, and uh, I'm penciling in a, uh, a release date for that full album around about March to April to maybe May next year. So... You know, uh, stay tuned and stick around for that, guys. But in the meanwhile, to whet your appetite, there's a 15-minute EP here, which is entirely free to listen to and download from infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com. It's essentially a really, really interesting take on our sound, and it's something I've never attempted before. I'm extremely excited about it, and it's been an absolute passion and labour of love for me. Um... So I actually originally released the album as a free YouTube video, which you can go and watch right now. Just type in Infernal Symphony into YouTube and it should be one of the first things that pops up. Um, And also, of course, a couple of weeks after that, um, I also released the album on the Bandcamp page as normal as well. So uh, as I say, it's a really, really interesting album. It's entirely instrumental. It is very, very um, lo-fi in its aesthetic um the first track's just over six minutes long it's an incredibly emotional and atmospheric and very orchestral classical inspired or baroque inspired uh, piece um i'll actually end up playing it on the podcast over the next couple of episodes as well at some point um and it's uh, you know it's really really epic it sounds awesome it's very much reminiscent of something like for example stratovarius's keyboard or harper score tones um there's a few tracks in it which basically uh, sound similar to some of the um, maybe some of the soundtrack you might have uh, come across in games such as the Elder Scrolls for Oblivion or Daggerfall. Um, it's also heavily influenced by numerous other black metal and dungeon synth artists, everyone from Mortis to Burtsum to some of the more modern contemporaries such as Fenwalker and Erang. Um, and of course, many, many others, including Questmaster and uh, uh, Dweller and others. So, you know, I've been a long time fan of Dungeon Synth. It's something that I've always really aspired to and looked up to. And the beautiful thing about it as well is it entirely fits, uh, you know, what I'm, I've been up to and what I've been doing for the past five or six years already. It very much plays to Infernal Symphony's strengths. You know, on the one hand, it's an instrumental uh, style of music. It's very, very underground. It's very, very esoteric and very niche. The actual community involved with Dungeon Synth is pretty much entirely an internet-only genre. Um, you know, it's only just recently that uh, physical releases have, have started to come out for various bands on, mostly on cassette, but of course there is the odd vinyl or CD release as well. But it's primarily all over Bandcamp, which is, again fits me like a glove. Um, you know, not only that, it's obviously heavily influenced by medieval imagery and you know, maybe Arthurian legends and myths and history. Uh, So it's all well in keeping with the already established Infernal Symphony brand. You know, it's very on brand for me. Um, So essentially, to cut a long story short, and without going into heaps and heaps of detail, which I'm sure I will uh, do in future episodes, um, you know, I've got to save something for the future, haven't I? But uh, with all that being said, if that at all interests you in any way, I would heavily appreciate the support. I'm really hoping to make a fairly decent mark on the genre as a whole going forward in the future um it's like i say it's a really big passion project for me it's a bit of a left field detour compared to what i've been doing recently with regard to things like avant-garde doom metal and death metal and black metal and all the rest of it but nevertheless it's a nice 
extra additional side of our personality and my sound, which I really think that the majority of you listening to this, chances are if you've made it this far into the podcast, then you're already, you know, in familiar territory here. You've probably already listened to some Dungeon Synth before. And chances are you're an incredibly, incredibly big fan of Infernal Symphony to start with if you're already listening to this. So in that case, if that's you out there, I definitely one million percent urge you to listen to this. It is called Bubonic Destiny, written in legend. It's a brand new, completely free EP available to download and listen to for absolutely no cost to yourself at all from the Bandcamp page. Please go and check it out. And if you enjoy it, please like it and share it and tell all your friends about it. Um, and you never know, if you like it that much, you know, you could even be willing to drop me a couple of quid over on Bandcamp as well. So that's all I wanted to say, really, guys. It's something that I have been heavily anticipating personally. It's something I've really, really worked a great deal on. Um, and uh, it feels like an absolute you know incredible new dawn for the band it's a new creative outlet that i now have it's something that uh, is going to hopefully you know just come full circle and it's really going to be a, a fantastic opportunity for me to you know spread my wings a bit and develop my musicality and talent a little bit more and you know maybe take a different approach to what i normally would you know tend to do with some of the other styles of music i already create so yeah it's all good in every single way guys hopefully you really enjoy it and uh, now that's all been said, I'll get back to the rest of the episode. So, yes, yeah, so another reason that I wanted to bring up the new website is, of course, because um, one of the most recent posts I did on there was... Uh, again another example of some of the different and new content you can find on there which i don't really have the opportunity to post anywhere else or of course sometimes the certain things that i'd love to post and write about but it just really i don't know it's, it just doesn't seem appropriate uh, to you know for example the facebook page you know you don't really tend to see many other bands big or small posting you know reviews of other bands music on there it's just not the done thing so but that's something i've always been interested in doing i've very much been interested in every kind of creative endeavor particularly writing so it's a good way for me to you know flex my muscles a, a little bit so to speak with that kind of thing it's great for me um but hopefully it's really good for you guys as well so um yeah so i listened to the new ozzy osbourne album patient number nine a couple of months ago when it came out um, I actually wrote a review of that brand new album and posted it to the Pestilence podcast website. So that's the only place you're going to actually be able to read that, guys. Uh, obviously, I'm going to give it a quick rundown now during the podcast. But of course, it's going to be slightly shortened because I don't have the time to go into as much detail as I otherwise would. So if you want the full scoop on that, guys, head to Infernal Symphony. Uh, sorry, Infernal Symphony's Pestilence Podcast.wordpress.com and you'll find the brand new Pestilence Podcast website. But, uh, but yeah, Patient Number Nine, I mean, of course, it's the second album from Ozzy in more or less as many years, really. Obviously, um, immediately following his most recent album prior to that, which was uh, Ordinary Man. And uh, this newer version of Ozzy, I actually quite agree with. Um, it was a very, very interesting album. Um, not too much far removed from Ordinary Man, to be honest. I think they're sort of two peas in a pod, really. They're sort of, you know, they're, they're more or less side one and side two of each other. And I, I, to be honest, personally, I didn't really, you know, 
as much as I enjoyed it at the time, when Ordinary Man came out, it kind of didn't have very much staying power for me. I thought of, I sort of felt that, uh, you know, it was good in the short term. There's a couple of good songs, such as Under the Graveyard and some of the other singles. But, uh, um, you know, once I'd listened to it a few times, that was pretty much it. I'd never really thought more about it since then. And, and I kind of just, you know, almost forgot it existed. Even though it was really nice to finally see Ozzy finally coming back to the forefront and recovering from all of his, you know, obviously physical illnesses and various different goings on. Because, of course, previous to that, his previous album before then was uh, Scream, which I think came out in 2011, which was, you know, almost a 10 year gap in between albums, which was pretty much unheard of for Ozzy at the time. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, of course, I'm talking about Ozzy Osbourne, one of the most primarily influential metal musicians and vocalists to have ever lived. Um, and this most recent album um, is really, 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 truly amazing, to be honest, um, from my perspective, at least. Anyway, I felt that it was very, very much helped by the inclusion of all the different guest musicians on there. Notably, it is one of the final performances of uh, Taylor Hawkins, uh, of course, the uh, drummer of Fury Fighters fame, who sadly passed away earlier this year, um, I believe due to alcohol-related issues. Although, that, if that is wrong, then obviously don't crucify me. Um, you know, it's hard to remember all the specifics because so many different metal musicians pass away every single year. And we may even have time to do a little bit of an in-memoriam this uh, podcast edition as well, given that it is the last one of the year and we have had a hell of a lot of different uh, deaths over this year as we do as we seem to do every year it's always a shame to lose different musicians uh, particularly those who fight the good fight for heavy metal but uh, but anyway um, you know back to the topic patient number nine is a very very interesting cool album um, the first single that was released was of course the title track which was uh, surprisingly about seven or eight minutes long and it was very very cool um, it sees Ozzy going back to some of his um, roots really um in terms of his solo career harkening back to some of the you know the classic tunes from albums such as blizzard of oz and diary of a madman it has uh, you know it features some of those elements there such as some of the orchestral elements and some of the different movements in the songs you know ozzy's vocals shine through uh but the thing that impressed me the most about this album in particular was its variety we see this trend a lot at the moment with some of these aging metal bands that have been going for many decades um, not so much Iron Maiden, but certainly with the most recent Aussie album, with the new Megadeth album, and various other bands as well. You see them uh, sort of almost making albums that are retrospective over the you know their entire careers. Like uh, you know the first couple of songs sounded very much like the Ordinary Man style Aussie we've heard recently, some of the more modern stuff, and then you immediately go into the third track, which features Tony Iommi, and it suddenly changes almost into an uh, you know like a B-side from Thirteen, you know the the last uh, Black Sabbath album, and then of course you've got a couple of tracks with Zach Wild, which harkens back to the uh, you know the '90s era of Aussie. Uh, brilliant guitar solos, of course, needless to say. We have a couple of features from uh, musicians such as Jeff Beck, which is fantastic. He put some amazing guitar solos down on his track. Um, and I think um, Eric Clapton's featured on one of the tracks as well, which is a nice surprise as well. So, yes, yeah, as I say, this the, the, normally when it comes to metal musicians doing albums that feature loads of guest musicians, the, the, the temptation is always there for it to go massively wrong. Um and, uh, you know, that, that this album didn't really suffer from it for me. You know, I found myself keep going back to the album. It was really, really interesting. Uh, you know, it was nice to, you know, have a little bit of a taste of each of the different kinds of Aussie that we've come to 
uh, know and grown to love over the years, you know. And some of the high notes he's hitting, I mean, this man is 73 years of age. And when you've done the amount of drugs that Ozzy's done and to still be, you know, hitting those high notes, then, you know, it's just really, really impressive overall. And the songwriting was very, very much on point. There was only a really a tiny little bit of filler for me, um, uh, which ironically enough was the last couple of tracks at the end of the album, which surprisingly enough didn't actually feature any guest musicians. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, I, I suppose you could say. But in general, a very, very strong, solid album overall. I would give it about 7 or 8 out of 10. Certainly an improvement over the last album, which, again, you know, was still pretty good. But this one was definitely head and shoulders better than it. So there we go, guys. If you want to read the full review, head over to Infernal Symphonies Pestilence Podcast.wordpress.com. Um, that's about as much as I want to say about that at the moment, really. So I think it's about time we move into another topic and give myself a chance uh, to clear my throat and have a little bit of coffee, as I always do. <laughs> so there we go, guys. Hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast so far. We'll be coming back very, very shortly. And uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And thanks very much for listening. I will be back in just a few short minutes. So, as uh, as that very sad piece of interlude music would probably have alerted you to, this is now, unfortunately, the point of this month's edition of the podcast where, of course, given the fact that it is the end of the year, it is the final edition of the podcast for 2022, it seems appropriate to, you know, at least pay tribute and homage and recognise the contributions of some of heavy metal's most, you know, elite, highest, uh, most prominent musicians who have sadly passed away this year year so this is uh, the pestilence podcast in memoriam of heavy metal in 2022 we've had a uh, you know so many different amazing brilliant uh, musicians come and go over the years as we always do you know it's the normal circle of life uh, unfortunate as it may be of course death and uh, you know the afterlife and all these different kinds of things are topics which heavy metal traditionally is always broached and uh, infernal symphony um, are no different to this of course i talk about this a lot in many of my albums and and tracks and lyrics and so on but uh you know it's never a good feeling when you know one of your idols or you know people that you look up to who inspire you not just in music but just in life in general and you know creatively um you know when they pass away it's always a momentous occasion it's a very very sad sorry affair uh sorry occasion you know there are certain deaths that, that just stick with you i mean uh you know i wasn't even a massive fan of his at the time but way back in 2016 when david barry passed away it was such a shock uh, in actual fact i'd only just gotten into him at the time i just recently purchased his new album black star listened to it and was blown away and i was like this is totally different kind of david bowie to uh you know the kind of bowie that i was familiar with you know growing up in the 90s as a kid i pretty much mostly knew him from the you know the movie labyrinth and some of his acting roles um i wasn't really as familiar with his music as i perhaps should have been which you know luckily since then i've remedied and got into many of his works and they're all absolutely fantastic and phenomenal but certain artists like that, you know, when they pass away, it really just does stick with you. And the same goes for Lemmy as well, um, you know, a couple of years ago. I think that was actually the same year. Um, so, you know, it's always important to pay tribute to the past and pay tribute to, uh, you know, some of the icons of this genre of music. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and of course, um, 
you know, particularly compared to many other genres of music um, as well, heavy metal has always traditionally been very, very much, um, you know, centred around its past. It very much likes to pay homage to its past and, uh, you know, recognise the contributions of those that came before us and build upon them. You know, with pop music, for instance, um, not that it's in opposition to metal, because uh, there are many, you know, commercial, modern, you know, popular metal bands these days. But, um, you know, pop music very much stands on its own two feet and it has its moment in the sun. It's 15 minutes of fame and then, you know, everyone moves on to the next thing and it's pretty much, you know, forgotten about. Um, but uh, anyway, um, I'm, you know, I digress. Uh, so some of the uh, most notable, I mean, of course, this isn't a, a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination, but some of the most notable, um, you know, losses that we've had this year, of, uh, of course, include, um, you know, Burke Shelley um, on January the 10th. The vocalist and bassist of Budgie died from undisclosed reasons at the age of 71. Uh, Budgie are obviously a very, very influential band um, in the early uh, formation of heavy metal. You know, they inspired bands such as Metallica and Megadeth and numerous different uh, members of both the new wave of British heavy metal, but also uh, the thrash metal, um, you know, <laughs> scenario and scene that emerged in the 80s in America as well. Uh, the promoter, Gerard Drowout, of um, numerous different rock and metal bands, such as Deep Purple and Alice Cooper, died from leukemia this year as well. Of course, um, you know, one of the biggest um, and most probably well-known voices in the rock and metal community globally, Meatloaf, unfortunately passed away um, in January as well. January was a hell of a month this year. And weirdly enough, he actually died from COVID-19 complications as well, which was real, real terrible shame. I think at the time, of course, the pandemic was starting to, you know, uh, die down a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, he basically just didn't really heed the doctor's advice, didn't really treat it seriously and unfortunately paid the price, uh, which was a, a tragic shame. You know, it's a terrible way to lose one of the, the most influential rock vocalists the world has ever seen. A uh, little known fact about Meatloaf as well is he's actually, uh, well, he was, uh, should I say, Scott Ian, the guitarist of uh, Anthrax fame. He's actually his uh, father-in-law, uh, so sad to see him go. Uh, we have Kit Wolven, one of the most um, foremost producers and engineers for albums from some of the early rock bands as well. Uh, producing bands such as Cathedral, one of my personal favourite bands, uh, Thin Lizzy, UFO and Cradle of Filth, and Tony Iommi also died. Um... We also have Frederick Johansson, the guitarist of Dark Tranquility. Uh, John Zazula, the founder of Megaforce Records, uh, co-founder, should I say. Uh, also, um, again, all these incredible talents and names. Taylor Hawkins, which we mentioned earlier, uh, former session drummer of Coheed and Cambria and Ozzy Osbourne, and obviously the main drummer of the Foo Fighters died. And uh, who can forget the, you know, the recent tribute concert they did a few months ago where we had numerous different guest musicians, uh, everyone such as Justin Hawkins from The Darkness to his very own son playing drums. Um, you know, those are the, the sort of memories and moments which can never be recreated. And uh, as brilliant as they are, it's just a shame that they, of course, have to occur under such circumstances. Uh, Ronnie Dio, no, not Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie Dio, the bassist of Incantation, died in April. Um, of course, we have people such as... Uh, Andrew Labar, 
the vocalist of Impaled and Ghoul died from ALS. Now, ALS is a, a terrible illness. Of course, there are very, very many, uh, you know, few people who survive it, such as Stephen Hawking and uh, Jason Becker, than there are who don't. So, you know, very, very sad to see him go as well. Of course, Bob Heathcote, the former bassist of Suicidal Tendencies, died from injury sustained as a result of a motorcycle accident at the age of 58. Uh, we have numerous other big names in the heavy metal industry as well. For example, Steve Grimmett, the vocalist of Grim Reaper, uh, died in August. That was only a couple of months ago uh, from undisclosed reasons. And Dave Sherman, the vocalist of Earthride and the bassist of Spirit Caravan and the Obsessed, also died from undisclosed reasons at the age of 55. Um, so, of course, that um, is obviously not a full uh, comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination. But those are some of the biggest names that we have lost this year. Um, again, it's always a sad moment. Um all the friends, family and fans of these various different artists and bands, I can only extend my deepest sympathies. Um, it's something that happens to all of us, unfortunately, and it's something that we have to come to terms with and get to grips with. But at least um, in terms of musicians and various other artists of any any creed or you know walk of life, at least the very thing that I hold on to, at least, is the fact that even though these artists and talents are no longer with us, you know, the music and the passion and the creativity that they inspired us with and they shared with the world and, you know, the art that they leave behind will be their legacy and it is something that is going to make them live on in immortality long beyond their, you know, their actual physical body will do. So, so there we go. I think it's about time to move on to a different topic. I think you'll agree. So uh, instead, we're going to have a little bit more joviality soon. And I'm going to be talking about the most recent album that Infernal Symphony, my band, released, which, of course, came out on my birthday, November 1st, which was uh, a couple of months ago now. So, uh, yeah, fantastic album. I was very, very impressed and uh, happy to finally have come out with it. It was uh, many, many months in the making. Of course, it follows on from... Uh, the uh, well it's actually the the fifth in the string of uh, connected albums i've done so far obviously starting with columns of deformity following through with horrific synthesis deep secrets of the earth and of course widow make which came out in july uh, this is the fifth album in this series of interconnected works which follow a consistent pattern and story and tell uh, you know different kinds of uh, you know stories from various different um, characters perspectives in which basically all convalesce into one overarching plot which i have uh, worked on for many years now it's uh obviously the the albums themselves have only been coming out for the last 18 months or so but the actual genesis of some of these ideas and the story and some of the concepts behind them go back many years for me personally so it's always a very very good occasion for me to release one of these albums the uh the series is actually beginning to come to a close now in fact um the last album in this series will be the sixth one, and that will be coming out, I can officially confirm for the first time ever, right here on the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast, that this new and most recent album isn't going to be coming out until March 2023, unfortunately, but that will be the final album in this interconnected series, and it will be titled Evil Spirits. Um, I'm very, very excited about it. It's going to be a bit of a different change of pace for me. The new one is going to be a full-on old-school death metal album in the style of bands such as uh, Bolt Thrower and Death and Morbid Angel. You know, some of the greats. Uh, of course, uh, other bands such as Nocturnus as well. And uh, those are bands that have very, very much heavily inspired me for many, many years now at this point. Um, but I've never really done that particular style of metal justice. And of course, those of you who are long term listeners to Infernal Symphony, I mean, we've been going for five years or more now. Um, 
you know, I always try and branch out and experiment and try different approaches and try and, you know, tackle different subject matters with different approaches and different style, styles and sounds. And this new album will be no different. Um, so it's a little bit of an unexpected secret announcement for you here today, guys. I hope you uh, appreciate it. It's definitely going to be a very, very good album. But uh, before I can give you any more information about that, uh, with that, of course, we'll be saved for a future edition of the podcast. So for now... Let's focus on the one which immediately preceded it and came out last month, which, of course, was Reverie of Damnation. Um, Now, uh, this one was basically uh, recorded um, from uh, the middle of June um, all the way up uh, until basically just before it came out, which was uh, um, the 1st of November. Um, Fantastic album. I decided to take a little bit of a different approach this time around. And and to be honest, I, I feel like I say this basically every single time I come out with an album. But yes, this was no different in that sense. Um, It features eight tracks in total. Um, The first track of the album is titled One Winged Angel, which I actually uh, played for you, I believe, last month. Oh, no, I didn't actually know. Sorry, the last edition was, uh, I believe that featured... uh, Wait, I'm trying to think now. Well, either way, whether I played it or not, I'm not going to be playing it for you on this episode anyway. I will actually play a different track from the album. But nevertheless, that was an instrumental track which was seven and a half minutes long. It was a fantastic intro to the album. I really wanted to come across um, with a, a totally different approach this time around. I wanted to have a bit more of a softer, more mellow, more melodic sort of style, especially compared to Widowmaker and Deep Secrets of the Earth. You know, the other major releases um, that I've come out with this year have very much been embracing and trying to capitalise on the brand new recording setup that I've had and the subsequent inspiration and ability to use you know, a lot more tracks with the recording, a lot more instrumentation and different kinds of sounds and sound effects and, uh, you know, different uh, vocal approaches as well, of course, when we're doing vocals in these days as well. Uh, so instead, I wanted to rein some of those in slightly more this time around and I wanted to basically provide you with a different kind of, you know, different side to the band, which may not really have been uh, showcased as effectively before. Uh... Um, some of the other tracks on there are absolute gold as well. Um, track three, The Long Dark, um, ironically enough, comes in at six minutes and 16 seconds, which I, uh, ironically enough is the true number of the beast, not 666 as I Maiden would have you believe. No, 616 is the actual number of the, the beast. Uh, and, um, you know, we have various different kinds of sounds and movements within this album. Um, I wanted to embrace new colours in the sonic sonic palette such as noise rock, post rock, acoustic guitars, in fact live recorded guitars and uh, keyboards as well. I wanted to give a bit more of a softer and spacier vibe compared to some of the more recent albums. You know, it's really, really important to me to always attempt to at least innovate and try and do something different each and every time I release an album or indeed write a song. You know, there's so many different approaches you can take. I really don't see any excuse for trying to just repeat the same thing over and over again. And, you know, I fully admit there have been uh, times during my, uh, you know, musical adventure so far where I have sort of, uh, you know, maybe played it a little bit safe or maybe just overdone the same thing here and and there. But... uh, this album, I, I, I kind of came into the... I approached the writing sessions with the intent to do something entirely different. And I wouldn't say that I fully achieved that. I still think there are various different points in this album which sound similar to other albums we've done, such as, for example, the, the last track of the album, Burial in Blazers, is a full-on, hardcore, heavy, 
you know, death metal track, which uh, of course will lead us naturally into the new album as well. But, um, you know, on tracks such as The Long Dark, I very much get very, very inspired and, uh, you know, I made some incredibly uh, intricate soundscapes here with about uh, 20 different tracks playing all at once to try and give a very, very interesting spacey vibe, which I've never really attempted before. Um, of course, the production job is much better on this as well. We've got other tracks such as Brimstone Moondust, which is more of a black metal vibe, and Bleeding From Within is a little bit more of a slower, more tribal uh, sort of experience, which almost evokes a bit of a new metal sort of tinge as well. Uh, and of course, uh, this isn't really anything uh, new for Infernal Symphony in some ways. You know, we've always had different weird approaches to experimentation and being avant-garde. Um, in terms of the actual, um, you know, the concept of the album, as I mentioned, it ties into some of the others as well. So uh, the first album, Columns of Deformity, was a bit of a fantastical, um, you know, depth and dirge into the uh, the unknown of the underworld. Um, it was talking about prisoners in captivity in hell and how they experienced being twisted and conformed and uh, deformed, rather, uh, due to the evil present there. Horrific Synthesis was more about the technological dangers of the future and the fact that, uh, you know, Satan will always be present in everyone's lives, regardless of how much science and technology improves. Deep Secrets of the Earth was more of a mythological story where we were talking about, uh, you know, the fact that uh, environmentally humanity is completely destroying the planet and uh, raping it and destroying it and taking all of its resources um, and of course you know there's only so long we can do that for uh, before the environment gets completely out of control and uh, you know I basically uh, hearkened that to a you know maybe a fantastical story of people digging too deep into the earth in medieval times and basically unleashing a horrific beast which would basically destroy them all uh, uh, Widowmaker was slightly different in that it talked about uh, the fact that this beast became worshipped over time by a brand new religious cult, which was made up of succubuses and succubi, um, and uh, talked about the evils of that as well. And of course, this new album basically is The Reverie of Damnation, which is, uh, it basically is chronologically slightly further ahead amongst all of these other stories as well. Um, this particular album essentially talks about a, a priest, well, actually a, a religious knight priest who, uh, you know, is a part of a member of the church and is actually homosexual. He's trying to hide his, his true identity. Um, of course, it's a very, very pertinent and important topic that we talk about today, as well as back in the medieval times. And of course, even at the, you know, the uh, the origin of religion, the birth of religion, you know, even back then, two, three thousand years ago, people were talking about these things. And in actual fact, the Egyptians and many different cultures had numerous different levels of, you know, homosexuality and various different other sexual practices as well, which we... Oh, sorry, just take... Let me take this. Sorry about that, everyone. So it seems we had a bit of an unauthorised use of some of the Sonic the Hedgehog music there because it's, of course, my ringtone. Sorry about that. That's a very important call I had to take there. Uh, but uh, sorry about the interruption. Um, we should all proceed as planned with the rest of the episode. Um, so where was I? Yes. So I was talking about the new album, Reverie of Damnation, and the fact that it's obviously inspired by the fact that, uh, you know, homosexuality has been something that's been present across all different races and cultures for millennia now, ever since the ancient Egyptians, uh, you know, had numerous different kinds of sexual practices which were completely normal at the time um, including incest and various different other things um, 
and more or less since its inception, uh, religion, or specifically the, the Christian church, has always attempted to try and rein these sorts of things in, presumably to try and differentiate itself, but also to try and, you know, evoke some kind of false uh, artificial authority over people and try and control and enslave them, which it has always tried to do. Um, so this album um, basically tackles this. And of course, I'm not, uh, you know, gay myself, or, uh, you know, um, but... It's, it's very important, particularly in this day and age, it's become a very, very hot button topic over the past five or six years. Um, you know, it's just one of those most really, really important issues that, you know, obviously has a, a real real amount of time and effort dedicated towards it now. Finally, at long last, you know, it's, it's a very worthwhile cause. And particularly with things such as uh, gender and sexual identity, these are the sort of things which are definitely becoming a lot more normalised to talk about now. Uh, it's the sort of thing that even if you go back as little as sort of 30 you know, 20, 30 years ago, people were nowhere near as open and, uh, you know, about talking about it and discussing these kinds of issues as they are today. So that's incredibly great, massive progress. It's a positive step in the right direction. And I wanted to, you know, plant my flag in the ground to, uh, you know, basically, you know, show my support for these uh, these different groups and minorities as well. Um, and basically the, the overall arching story of the Reverie of Damnation album that came out the other month was, of course, about the knight that uh, becomes part of the church and is actually abused by some of the religious fathers and leaders of the church as well. Now, the album doesn't specifically, you know, name exactly what happened to him, so I'll leave that to your imagination to save, uh, you know, this uh, episode getting redacted by Spotify and the like. But, uh, you know, if you know anything about the goings-on in the Catholic Church over the last 20 or 30 years, I'm sure you'll have a pretty good idea about what I'm referring to here. Um, but essentially, um, the album covers this kind of theme, and it's basically a chronological story from the first to the last track about this chap's life, and some of the trials and tribulations he goes through, some of the mental anguish that he has to put up with from some of the trauma caused by these incredibly horrific things. Um... Uh, and of course, you know, this is referenced in some of the song titles as well, such as God of Whispers. Of course, you know, the people who abused him are, you know, doing this apparently at the behest of an invisible deity who whispers to them and tells them exactly what they want to hear. Uh, and then obviously the long dark, of course, is basically a rumination about the end of the universe. But it also draws a contrast and a parallel to how this you know, this person feels um, immediately after suffering some of this abuse. Grave Danger obviously speaks for itself. The Reverie of Damnation in question, the actual title track of the album, track six on the, uh, on the, the running order here, essentially uh you know it basically talks about the revelation that comes to him that you know literally it feels as though his life is meaningless because all of the hope and positivity and some you know the promises for the future have all been stripped away from him uh completely recklessly and needlessly by these uh you know people who are abusing their positions of power um and it just feels ultimately damning to him. He he completely feels condemned to a life of pain and misery. And of course, this album also broaches the topic of the problem of evil as well, which is a very, very interesting and, uh, you know, very, very ancient, um, really, question about the fact that, of course, if there's an immortal, all-powerful God, then why does he allow or create evil to exist in the universe? It's a very, very... A, uh, important question and one which has still completely not gone on uh, you know had a definitive answer to it from uh, the, the theologians um, which is all the more reason for me to talk about it being an atheist and Levian Satanist you know it's one of those things that is pretty much at the core of quite a number of people's atheistic beliefs you know there's many many, many people who have basically suffered greatly 
a great deal throughout their life and their prayers have gone unanswered by God and basically that makes it impossible for them to continue believing there's an all-loving, all-powerful being exists when in fact, you know, it's it, it would be triflingly easy for him to solve these problems and there is in fact no reason for him to cause these sort of issues and this kind of suffering in the first place because if he's all powerful any positive benefits that could be garnered and any learning experiences that could be offered as a result of this suffering can equally be achieved without any of the suffering as well so it leads to you know suffering and evil in the world being completely unnecessary completely gratuitous and it is basically a massive gaping hole in the argument of theism and which is one of the main reasons why, you know, theologians and philosophers talk about it to this very day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic album overall. I think I've gone on a bit of a tangent there. But basically, to, uh, you know, to cut a long story short, I did a razor sharp production job on this. Um, and it, personally, if I do say so myself, I feel as though it's one of my career best performances that I recorded on this record. Um you know, it's a 45 minutes of sheer brilliance. Um, it was inspired by, of course, this overarching story which I came up with, which of course has parallels both into the past and to the suffering of many uh, contemporary people today as well. Um, and it also references things such as the mind being manipulated, the burning reaches of hell, mythological and historical accounts of these sorts of issues. And um, yeah, it's a really, really cool, cool album. Um, it highlights the lack of compassion of the church over the years and the ignorance of those in charge. And it also makes you wonder, and I, I actually posed this some, uh, I posed this question to somebody uh, a few months ago on my uh, TikTok account. For those of you who don't follow us on TikTok, Infernal Symphony is on TikTok. We do um, atheist responses to a variety of different, uh, you know, theist and apologetic videos on there. And much like you heard me do a few minutes ago, I basically criticise many of the arguments for theism and for the Christian God in particular, but also other faiths as well. Um but one of the major things I talked about recently was the fact that isn't it just absolutely insane and crazy to you? Because it is to me, you know, you've got the Catholic Church. It's the single biggest organization of religion in the entire world. It, it likes to obviously, uh, you know, it makes a big point very, very frequently of pointing out that there's over a billion members within its church. They're the biggest, most wealthiest, most influential religious organization the entire history of the world has ever seen. And yet, despite all of this, all it seems to uh, that happen with them, or, or, you know, all they seem to spend most of their time doing is basically preventing people from using family planning services and, and using condoms and uh, basically trying to cover up massive lurid sex scandals involving um, minors and I don't know if it's just me but it feels as though something of this magnitude and a organization with this amount of power and influence and wealth should be using it for good and to you know benefit the future uh, population of the world it doesn't seem it doesn't really strike me as very uh, you know very useful to be going about telling people to be on their knees praying to be an invisible deity for the rest of their lives um, because I, for one, like to see things that uh, that actually work. I'd like to see, you know, things being put into action. And, uh, you know, just imagine if you took those billions of uh, of, of Catholics and, and, and religious followers 
And instead of telling them to get on their knees and pray to an almighty God and read a book, which we don't really have any evidence for one way or the other, imagine if you told them all to start a religion about looking after the planet and looking after the environment, as I mentioned and went into on Deep Secrets of the Earth. Uh, you know, just imagine if you had over a billion people with that amount of wealth and power and influence all working together, coming up with solutions to try and make life better for everyone, you know, inspire and ensure the safety of future citizens and the youth of our nation. I mean, maybe it's just common sense. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. For me personally, this seems like it would be a hell of a lot better It'd be certainly much better use of this time and resources that we have. Um, and, you know, if we had an environmentalist religion as opposed to merely a theological religion, that would seem to be a much better thing. And I would personally go as far as to say that that's pretty much the only religion that would actually be worth having. Uh, so that's food for thought for you. I don't know. Maybe I'm just rambling. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, the album's really, really great, guys. If you would like to listen to any of the music from the album, of course, I'll be playing a track for you momentarily. Uh, and the track I'll be playing is called uh, Grave Danger, which, of course, I'm, I referenced earlier. And uh, you never know, I may even play Brimstone Moondust for you later on as well. We'll have to see if we have time. Um, but if you'd like to check out the rest of the album, the album is available at my uh, Bandcamp page. So head to infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com forward slash... Um, album forward slash reverie dash of dash damnation and you can listen to all eight tracks there and you can even purchase it for your own perusement if you would so choose to as well and i would very much greatly appreciate that because any uh, purchases of any of my work and music directly goes towards uh, financing future albums and helping me continue to do what i do so i very much appreciate that guys um without any further ado i'm going to play that track for you right away and then we'll be moving on to a few other topics we've got time for before this episode gets, you know, basically ludicrously long. Uh, so there we go. And uh, actually, after this song, I'm going to be talking about Christmas and some other things as well. Because, of course, this is, of course, also the Christmas episode as well. Don't worry, guys. I hadn't forgotten just yet. Uh, I know we've already covered a hell of a lot of stuff already, but we've just about got time to go over a few other things. Uh, so stay tuned for that, guys. But before that, let's check out the brand new song from Infernal Symphony, Grave danger. See you in a little while.
So I actually almost forgot, but it is actually in fact now time to do the recurring monthly segment on this podcast, which of course is the Metal Archives Deep Dives, which is where I click the random band button on the Metal Archives website or the Encyclopedia Metallum for those who are the gentlemen out here in the audience. And basically we talk about a random band which is stored on the website. Of course, it is the uh, uh, the interwebs' most oldest and most comprehensive um, archive and encyclopedia of various different metal bands from all walks of life and all different sizes uh, with their massive huge bands such as I made and all their potentially uh, you know much smaller bands or projects as well um, and uh, you know it's nice to shine a light on some of these lesser known artists sometimes it's very good to talk about other bands which you may not have heard of or come across before and uh, occasionally some of these can get a little bit uh, obscure so sometimes you can't actually find their music on uh, Spotify or anywhere like that so you have to do a bit of digging and this month um, basically the band which I found for you today is a band from Norway called Vulture Industries. Now, um, there isn't very much that seems to be known about them. However, they are on a fairly major label. Um, They appear to be signed to Season of Mist, which are a really, really good uh, sort of mid-tier sort of uh, promoter and, of course, record label, which have a lot of really good extreme metal bands and various different things on their roster, which you wouldn't typically see. Uh, This band in particular basically seems to be an avant-garde and progressive metal band, which um, is basically right up my alley, because, of course, any of you who listen to my my music as well will know that that is very much in keeping with Infernal Symphony's style as well. Um, There seems to be a five-piece band. I've uh, heard a couple of songs by them, uh, which I obviously listened to in preparation for this uh, this podcast, and they seem to be really, really good. Um, I think one of their most um, well-known tracks is a track called Deeper, um, and they have a, quite a number of different releases to go through as well. The band was formed in 1998 as Dead Rose Garden, um, and split up in 2003, but then reformed later that same year after some lineup changes, changed its name to Vulture, in- Vulture Industries, and then basically signed with Season of Mist. And they're still, in fact, going to this very day. Um, some of their lyrical themes include madness, inner struggle, life and society, and they have a number of really, really cool sounding albums as well. So they started with two demos, which came out in 2003 and 2004, called The Sleeper, and The Enemy Within, respectively. They then released an EP called The Benevolent Porn, and then their full-length albums include The Dystopia Journals from 2007, The Malefactor's Bloody Register in 2010, 2013's The Tower, and their most recent album, Stranger Times, which came out in 2017. And they seem to have been fairly quiet since then, apart from a compilation and a single which was released later on. Um, now uh, they do some pretty long songs as well by the looks of it for example Strangers from their most recent album uh, clocks in at 7 minutes long Um, there's also tracks such as uh, the uh, Crowning the Cycle from um, their third album and The Hangman's Hatch and numerous other different things and basically from from what I could gather from what I've listened to them they sound like a really really involved interesting band um they do some really really good live shows it seems as though they use a quite a wide variety of different sounds and different instruments for example such as brass and horns and trumpets but also some some symphonic elements as well and in general they're just really really interesting to have a little gander at if you haven't really listened to them before and you're into this kind of stuff so yeah there we go just a quick little intro for us today guys hopefully you check them out and give them some love if you enjoy their stuff 
Uh, and that's about all there is to it for this month, guys. So make sure you check out Vulture Industries. Um, hopefully they do some new stuff for us in the next few years as well. But there we go. Let's move on to the next topic now where we talk about what's going to happen for the rest of this podcast. And then we'll eventually wrap this up and get on into the next episode next month. So there we go, and there we have it, guys. That was Grave Danger, one of the tracks from my most recent album, Reverie of Damnation. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. It was really, really good listening to that again, actually. It has been a couple of months since I first uh, finished recording that song. Of course, that is only one of eight tracks on the album. It was an overall really, really good album. It's definitely done wonders for us, as have all of the albums we've released this year. And, of course, we have released a numerous different amount of albums this year. Um, in fact, some of the milestones for this year include us releasing six Six albums overall uh, we've also released two singles as well and of course it is the new year coming up soon next month so you know there's been all sorts of amazing things that have happened for Infernal Symphony and the band in, in general uh, this year as well so yeah overall it's been a really really great year for Infernal Symphony um, of course um, as I mentioned on earlier episodes in the podcast as well we also were fortunate enough to finally after five years reach 1000 Facebook likes in total We've also uh, started on TikTok this year as well, which happened in March. And we also have uh, reached over a thousand TikTok followers as well. Um, this very podcast has reached over 150 podcast listens at a single day, which is a new record for us. Um, and of course, it's been really, really lovely for me personally to see not only the podcast, but every aspect of the band grow um, from strength to strength over the past couple of years. Um We've also uh, finally attained over 8,000 lifetime plays of our music tracks on Bandcamp as well. Uh, as well as, uh, basically, we also have three full-length albums which are finished uh, completely uh, with their pre-production and they're just coming into the mixing and mastering stages at the moment. One of which I mentioned earlier, of course, which was Evil Spirits, which will be released in March of next year, with another two which are completely more or less done. Uh, but there's also a further four albums which are in various states of pre-production as well. One of which I've mentioned several times at this point, which is going to be a new uh, synthwave album. There's also another uh, dungeon synth album in the works, as well as another full-length album and uh, one other secretive project, which I'm yet to really dive into as well. Um, not only that, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, we also released the brand new Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast website. And something else which I don't think I have actually mentioned on any of these episodes up to this point was at the start of this year, around about February, March time, which of course was our downtime period for the podcast, we actually had the honour of being uh, invited to the Deaf to Radio website platform as well, which for those who aren't aware, um, anyone who uh, watches reaction videos regularly on YouTube, uh, there are obviously millions of different reactors out there these days, you know, people who listen to tracks uh, or, or watch videos and give their thoughts on them. And probably one of the biggest and most well-known YouTube channels in this space is, of course, uh, Lost in Vegas. Um, and Ryan and George are people I've been watching for many years now because, of course, I, I followed them on their journey towards becoming metalheads and watching music for the first time from the likes of bands such as Metallica and Judas Priest and Megadeth, to name but a few. Well, um, they've obviously used their platform to uh, embrace new music and to uh, you know help give a platform for other upcoming artists of every kind of music genre. And this has basically uh, you know sort of divulged into uh, something called Deaf to Radio, which is their their own website, which is also a new music streaming platform as well. Which 
which is currently in a beta stage. But the whole point of this is for people who listen to these bands, and particularly it's it's, it's directed towards sort of unsigned uh, underground musicians such as myself and many others, uh, to give them a platform to get better exposure and um, to also you know provide their products to their um, and their fans. But it's also a great and fantastic way of the audience of these particular bands to rank and rate the individual songs they release just like they do on their YouTube videos. So in other words, it allows you to rate things such as the production quality of the song, the songwriting, the flow, the transitions, the lyrics, and all sorts of different things on an individual basis. So it's a fantastic way of basically getting to the nitty gritty of what makes a song great and figuring out what songs are good for what reasons. And uh, yes, Infernal Symphony earlier this year, we were invited to be one of the initial bands to be part of this uh, new service because of course they want to reach um, every kind of music listener uh, young or old no matter what kind of genre it is what kind of music they're interested in or how big or small the band itself is as well so that was an absolutely massive honor as, as I say I've been watching them for a long time and we were in fact actually also featured on the uh, front page of that website for a brief period of time as well so yes all of these and more are all fantastic things which have happened for the band this year I'm very much proud to say that it's been yet another fantastic year for us. Of course, we've, uh, you know, I've personally been doing this for uh, over seven years now, and been releasing music for five years and six years. Uh, you know, <laughs> in March next year, uh, which coincidentally is going to be uh, six years to the day of the first um, album, Inf uh, the Infernal Symphony, put out on Holy Persecution. The release date for that album, uh, six years on, is going to be the exact same release date for the brand new album, Evil Spirits, which will be coming out then as well. So, yeah, only br big bright things coming up in the future for the band next year. Of course, I'll be going into a lot more detail and delving into that a hell of a lot more come next month, which will be episode six, because, of course, we always traditionally do a fantastic expose edition of the podcast in January, because, of course, that is the best time to talk about what the year ahead um, is going to look like for us and what lies ahead. So if that interests you as well, guys, make sure you tune in next month. Uh, for now, it looks like we're coming towards the end of this edition of the podcast, but not before, of course, we talk about Christianity and Christmas or anti-Christmas, as I like to call it. Because, of course, what kind of December edition of any podcast would it be without a little bit of festivity and a little bit of talking about, of course, one of the most exciting days of the year? Um, now, Christmas has always been an incredibly special time of year for me. It's something I always look forward to, despite being a Satanist and an atheist. I've always said you don't have to be uh, a theist or a Christian to appreciate Christmas. Of course, there are people in Japan who are, you know, Buddhist or of no religion that celebrate Christmas by eating buckets of KFC. You know, there are people in various different pockets of the world which have nothing to do with Christianity and yet still have their own specific celebrations for this time of year. And of course, you know, Christianity, um, it wasn't the first to celebrate this time of year. Many different cultures um, had some sort of celebration over the winter solstice period of the year, um, which is coincidentally exactly why Levain Satanism, which is what I am a member of, um, you know, celebrates it nonetheless. Uh, you know, it's something that has more or less been done by humans since time immemorial. You know, it's a fantastic excuse to, you know, bring out all of the festivities and all of the hot, lovely, warm, comforting foods and have a nice feast to celebrate the ringing in of a new calendar or Gregorian year. Um, you don't need any, uh, you know, any sort of faith or religion or Christianity or Jesus or God to do any of this. This is just normal society, normal human culture, normal psychology explains all of this. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this is a tradition which stretches far back past the birth of Christianity, as do many things that make up the religion as well. Um, of course, pagan, uh, um, you know, beliefs are something which predate Christianity and which is where the faith um, actually ended up stealing a lot of its traditions from, including Easter and uh, Christianity, and basically just uh, rebranded them as their own thing. But really, you know, celebrations for such as, uh, you know, things such as the summer solstice and the winter solstice are things which have been going on a lot longer than Christianity has for definite. Um so pagan religions in general are various religions that existed during antiquity and the Middle Ages. And, uh, you know, some examples include some of the Roman religions of the imperial cult or various mystery religions, uh, Neoplatonism, uh, Gnosticism, and obviously loads of smaller ethnic religions in various different uh, countries and areas of the world as well. Um, during the Middle Ages, the term of paganism was also adopted to refer to religions practiced outside of the Roman Empire, such as the Germanic paganism, Egyptian paganism, uh, the Celtic paganism of the UK, and of course the Baltic paganism of the, uh, the uh, European Isles as well. Um, now, in terms of the pagan influence on Christianity, there are many different aspects of which Christianity has basically uh, you know, lifted things wholesale from various different descriptions of pagan beliefs, everything from different pieces of art to different celebrations, different names, different dates. Even a lot of the stories contained within the Bible itself, such as the Great Flood and uh, the Resurrection, in fact, are, have been completely and, and totally ripped off from various different religions and faiths um, worldwide. Uh, for example, there are numerous different pre-Christian uh, folkloric tales of the worldwide flood um, from various different things such as, uh, well, I mean, obviously paganism is the obvious example, but even in the Aztec society, they had various different things such as this. In the Aboriginal cultures of Australia, Papua New Guinea and New Zealand, they have different things such as this. So it could be the case there are numerous different massive floods in various different areas that happened at similar times. Um but of course, there was never a full global flood because there isn't enough water on the surface of the planet to actually cause such a thing. So at best, we have these numerous different pockets of civilization which have come up with their own cult, you know, folklore and uh, mythic tales, which basically were all ripped off and basically put into one big book and tried to be passed off as some sort of, you know, divinely inspired word of, of, of God. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, Christianity is something which uh, has never been shy or shied away from, uh, you know, basically taking things from um, other cultures. Of course, um, you know, basically Christmas uh, is something that basically has massive similarities between the Saturnalia um, sort of festivities of paganism and the historical revelry during the 12 days of Christmas and the Feast of Fools um, was something which left its traces and found its parallels in a great number of medieval and modern customs occurring about the time of the winter solstice. So in some way or another, Christmas uh, started to compete with rival Roman religions and co-opted the winter celebrations as a way to spread Christianity or to baptise the winter festivals with Christian marketing and meaning in an effort to limit their excesses. Um, quite possibly all three of these things. Um, so, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I mean, Christ Christmas is a fantastic time of year, don't get me wrong. Um, it's fantastic to spend time with friends and family. It's awesome to have loads of brilliant food and drink and, you know, receive and give presents to one another. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's nothing novel or unique. It's something that is totally and entirely basically a Christian uh, marketing and propaganda tool. 
Uh, of course, it marks um, the feast of the Christian liturgical year, uh, preceded by the season of Advent or the Nativity feast, uh, which indicates the season of Christmas tide. And um, it's obviously known by many different names, such as Noel, Nativity, Christmas, Xmas, Christmas tide, the Annunciation, the Epiphany, the Baptism of the Lord, Yule, and so on and so forth. Um, now, I'm not going to bore you with a normal uh you know reading of the nativity story i think we're all overly familiar with that at this point and it's uh, many in inconsistencies but uh if we're talking about the actual history of christmas itself and of course there's obviously the well-known fact that apparently christmas day is supposed to be a celebration of jesus's birthday when in actual fact most of the uh, contemporary sources seem to indicate that he was born around about august time uh, but the nativity sequences themselves, which were included in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, um, were prompted by early Christian writers to suggest various dates for the anniversary. And obviously there was no definitive source for this because, of course, the almighty word of God is complete fabrication of human minds. Um, but they wanted the early Christians wanted to connect Jesus to the Son through the use of phrases such as the Son of Righteousness and the Son of God and so on and so forth. So basically, as it turned out, Christmas eventually played a role in the Arian controversy of the 4th century. And once this had passed, the feast of Saturnalia regained prominence after the year AD 800 when Charlemagne was crowned emperor on Christmas Day. Um, in the Puritan England, meanwhile, Christmas was completely banned, uh, with the Puritans considering it a Catholic invention and associated the day with drunkenness, misdemeanours and other misbehaviours. Uh, so it was completely outlawed in my country, the UK, for a full hundred years until it was restored as a legal holiday in England in 1660, when the Puritan legislation was declared null and void. Um, but obviously, even at this point, certain pockets of our society decided it wasn't a good thing and despised it uh, and it was only really until the early 19th century that the christmas festivities and services we know of today became widespread with the rise of the oxford movement of the church of england which of course was created by henry the eighth as a way to get away from the catholicism present in the country and created his own protestant church which allowed him very selfishly to marry and divorce who he wanted when he pleased um, but as a result of this, uh, Christianity in England, at least, started to now revolve more around uh, the charity of the poor and, of course, talking about all the more contemporary uh, traditions and stories that we talk of today. Um, so, as you can see, Christianity and Christmas is not something which has always been and ever present in our society. It has influenced and moulded and changed as the times and the situations of the culture dictated it. But nevertheless, don't let any of this put you off from having a fantastic day uh, on Christmas Day this year. I, for one, will be certainly having many, many merriments and drinks. Um, it's not very often I drink alcohol, but I certainly will be this Christmas Day. I've got a load of really, really good presents I'm very excited about. I've got for my partner Chantal this year. I think overall it's obviously an incredible time of year to make time to spend with your family and friends and your loved ones of any description. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those brilliant things that it's always a great thing to look forward to. And uh, of course, Infernal Symphony are no different. I will obviously be having a little bit of time off over the Christmas period from writing, recording and promoting things. Of course, I'll still be doing the old Facebook post here and there talking about New Year and some of the achievements we've listed in this very podcast. 
Um, but uh, with that, I think I've been running my mouth long enough, and I've referenced it a few times this podcast, um, of course, talking about me getting into music and metal in general, and some of my origin story about what bands I was interested in when I was younger, and how those influences led me to some of the decisions and uh, you know choices creatively that I make today. And obviously some of my favourite music to listen to in my spare time. All of that stuff and more will of course be covered in next month's edition of the podcast. Because we have um, not overrun as such, but we have basically had quite a long episode today as it is. So I don't want to eat up much more of your time at this time of year. I'd much rather you go out and spend that shopping for presents for people. Or putting up your decorations. Or maybe uh, you know buying a new Christmas tree. Or whatever it is you want to do. Uh, also, don't forget, of course, a couple of years ago, Infernal Symphony released our Christmas EP called You'll Be Sorry, which, of course, is still available and, in actual fact, may very well be made free of charge this year as well in celebration of, of course, the Christmas and festive season. Uh, so, once again, guys... Thanks very much for checking out the Infernal Symphony Pastelance podcast. I have been your host, Demonic Bishop. As ever, I've had a fantastic year with you all. I very much appreciate you listening to um, not just my music, but also this podcast and all of the YouTube videos and TikTok stuff. Um, Every single year that passes, our brand only grows bigger and better and the music gets more prominent and, um, you know, it's just an absolutely amazing feeling, guys. I've been doing this, as I said now, for over five years and it's really really been fun for me it's been a massive learning experience and it just fills me with confidence and warms my heart that all of you guys out there continue to support me day after day month after month and year after year and with that all said when we're speaking about years we are coming up towards the end of yet another year of course right now so uh, all that's left to say is thanks very much again for tuning in i really appreciate it I really hope you have had really good amounts of fun listening to my music that I've made this year. It's been absolutely fantastic for me. I always enjoy doing it. And there's plenty more of it still to come. So we've got loads of stuff in the pipeline for next month and next year, in fact. So if you want to keep abreast of all of that and keep up to date with the latest news of the band, check out the Facebook page, check out next month's edition of the podcast. And with all that being said, have a very, very fantastic festive holiday season, guys. A fantastic anti-Christmas from me, Demonic Bishop, to you. And without any more to say, have a fantastic Christmas and an absolutely spectacular new year, guys. I really, really hope you do. And there we go. Thanks for checking it out, guys. Take care. Ave Satanas. And I will see you very, very soon.